break our hearts. Break our hearts. Throughout the pages of Scripture, you talk to your people. And from time to time, you speak to them with your own heart aching. And you say, Your hearts are hard. Your hearts are hard. You have hardened your heart. Your heart is no longer flesh-like and flexible and malleable. Your heart no longer resonates with my heart. God, could we be in a season, a time an epoch of history in which that's true again. We ask you to help us today. As we open your word, we ask you to, as happened on the Emmaus Road, you would open our hearts. You would open the scriptures to us. You would open our eyes to see Jesus. You would open our minds to understand the scriptures. Jesus, this is, this is your church. And if our world is in a mess or our nation is in a mess right now, we need to look in the mirror. As your word tells us that judgment begins, unfortunately, not with the other person, not with the other guy, not with the other woman, not with the other group. Your word tells us that judgment begins with the house of God. And your Holy Spirit, one of the reasons he came, you said in the Gospel of John, the Holy Spirit came to convict the world of sin. And God, we welcome the great divine cardiologist to come and examine our hearts today. We invite you to look into our hearts that you would take the sword of the Spirit, which is the Word of God, and discern between the inner workings of our hearts. pray that you would pour out into us new spirits, new hearts, hearts of flesh and not of stone. Thank you, Lord Jesus. We worship you. We say Hosanna. Hosanna in the highest. And that means that each one of us needs to really take a knee to lower ourselves, to humble ourselves you are high and lifted up and we are made of the dust and so we look to you and ask you to breathe new life into our lungs 
the breath of God, the life of God, the spirit of the living God. We pray that your wind would blow again, that your fire would consume what needs consuming and would cleanse what needs cleansing. And that you would fill us then, God, having cleansed us, you would fill us with your Holy Spirit. And that we would begin to tell people because we've seen something and we need to say something. So help us, help us, help us. We ask all this in the name of Jesus and in the power of the Holy Spirit. And all God's children said, amen, amen. Well, good morning and welcome to Bethany. I'm uh, Pastor Doug Wilson. I'm filling in for the guy who's been speaking, the long-haired fella. He's been speaking the last uh, number of weeks, uh, two and a half months, actually. Uh, so I got a reprieve and lost about 10 pounds of hair. feel much better. Uh, it was such a, a privilege and a pleasure to see so many of you uh, here yesterday, some for the first time in two and a half months. What a what a strange time it's been. Uh, but lovely to see your beautiful faces and to be uh, with you again and to, if not hug, at least give the right elbow of fellowship and had a little bit of taste of something that we have a a longing for to experience, hopefully in the you know near nearer future than we'd like. Uh, the numbers aren't uh, real positive right now in California, and in Southern California and in Los Angeles County. Uh, our our numbers are climbing again. Number of cases of uh, coronavirus and COVID-19, number of hospitalizations, number of deaths actually has come down a little bit but we want to see those numbers coming down regularly. We don't want to open back up and uh, create uh, additional health problems. Um, so we're going to keep doing this. Maybe we can begin, Pastor Brandon, to figure out how to get together uh, in small groups in homes uh, and so uh, build our fellowship back up. I'm so grateful the way that so many of you have already connected with uh, people and uh, walking together with people and encouraging them uh, in their lives. I want to be very honest with you. Uh, I believe God wants to do something uh, beautiful today uh, at our church. I believe that because we've had uh, quite, a, quite a crazy week, uh, many of us. We've had kind of ongoing problems, as you know, with uh, some theft uh, that's been a challenge for us to deal with and some break-ins on our property. It's slowed down a little bit. We hope that it uh, continues to do that, and we're going to try and take steps to help that happen, but that's been a challenge and has been time-consuming and an unfortunate uh, expense that we didn't anticipate. Pastor Brandon uh, uh, and Anissa and the girls um, moved uh, most of their belongings from uh, their current house into their new house and uh, had some Bethany family helping them with that. So that was tiring, and then on top of that, after a, a day of moving, uh, came and uh, did a tremendous job, uh, Pastor Brandon, with uh, Curtis Lehman 
Sidney Peterson and other of Bethany's leaders really leading us in a time of praying and praying, asking God for justice to be reality in our nation, for peace to be a reality in our nation. Uh, on the way here, our worship director, Kelsey, got a flat tire on the freeway and she is safe and she made it here. Uh, we got her picked up and, and here to join us on the first song of worship. So that made things exciting. We had some sound challenging, sound system challenges. Um, and uh, I haven't gotten a whole lot of sleep. Actually, no sleep last night, but it's okay. I was in God's presence, and I was learning and growing. Uh, you know, Isaiah talks about the reality of, uh, of uh, God's spirit working in our lives and says, uh, uh, the sovereign Lord, the Lord has given me a, an instructed tongue to know the word that sustains the weary. And I pray that I have a word that will give sustenance to those who are weary, which is pretty much most of us who are living through this uh, coronavirus uh, crisis that we're going through. But uh, the verse goes on to say, he wakens me morning by morning. And you can take that as early in the morning uh, or early in the morning coming from the other end, which I sometimes do and I did last night. And... Uh, uh, I tell you what, God's going to have to do something beautiful today uh, to have a coherent message, I believe, which is probably true every week. Um, and uh, I'm excited about today because uh, I know, I feel like I don't have a lot to offer. I've studied, believe me, I've studied, I've read, I've worked, but I believe God has a word for me and a word for us. And... Uh, then we go at the close of the service to uh, the Lord's table as well. So I'm not going to read the scripture that uh, is prepared for uh, us in our notes. You know the story. We've looked at the passage in Luke 24 about Jesus showing up uh, in an amazing way on the road to Emmaus and then showing up with the whole group of apostles. The ascension of Jesus in uh, Acts chapter 1 his promises of the spirit, of power, of the fact that we will speak uh, in his name, on his behalf, about him, starting right where we are, Jerusalem, uh, going throughout uh, our world in Judea, crossing even cultural boundaries. Ju uh, uh, Israelites and Samaritans were uh, kind of half-cousins and yet didn't get along well, so we're going to cross Jesus said we're to cross cultural boundaries, get to know people uh, who aren't like us, which after all is what Jesus did with us. Wouldn't you agree? He, he's, he's not from here. He's from another place. And he came down, and the word was made flesh. The word took on human flesh. Jesus was incarnate among us, and we're to be incarnate among our world and our neighbors and getting to know them for who they are even though we're all different. And then we're going to go from there to the ends of the earth. I will read this one section and come back and just make some, draw some principles. When the day of Pentecost came, we celebrated this uh, last Sunday, but we pray that Pentecost will continue and go on and on and on. When the day of Pentecost came, they were all together in one place and suddenly a sound like the blowing of a violent wind came from heaven. 
The point here isn't the phenomena that takes place. It's the fact that from heaven, the Spirit of the Lord came. Just like at the baptism of Jesus, paralleled in Luke, at his baptism, the Holy Spirit came and rested on him like a dove, and the, a voice from heaven came and spoke, this is my son who I love, and I am deeply pleased with him. And it filled the whole house where they were sitting. sitting. They saw what seemed to be tongues of fire that separated and came to rest on each of them. And all of them, a lot of, uh, of um, broad statements, it, the, the wind filled the whole house, this fire came to rest on each of them. And then verse four, all of them were filled with the Holy Spirit. May it be, may it be today again. They began to speak in other tongues, and I think languages might be a, a better translation right here, although the word can be translated either way. But from the context and the way it's used, I think that makes sense. As the Spirit enabled them, Jesus said, the Spirit will give you power to do things you can't do in your own strength. And thank God that he does, because there's so much in our lives that we can't do in our own strength. And yet through God, all things are possible. And now that we're staying in Jerusalem, where this whole thing started, God-fearing Jews from every nation under heaven. And when they heard this sound, a crowd came together in bewilderment because each one heard their own language being spoken. They were from every nation under heaven, and they were utterly amazed. And they asked, aren't all these who are speaking Galileans? Galileans were typically a little more rural. They were typically a little less maybe cultured, maybe educated. Most of them would speak Greek or Aramaic. Uh, but the variety of languages that are listed here uh, is uh, pretty remarkable. And they're saying, how is this possible? How is it possible that they are able to speak like this uh, in our own language, our native language? It's as if they even uh, not just could know the words, but uh, could speak it with the right inflection and the right accents. We hear them, again, we hear them declaring the wonders of God in our own tongues, and they came from all these different areas. And amazed and perplexed, they asked one another, what does this mean? Well, last week we started off talking about the fact that, number one, Jesus will send the gift that the Father promised us. And that's because our Father loves to give good gifts to his children. And in the Gospel of Luke, Jesus said, our Father will give the Holy Spirit to anyone who asks him. He's that generous. Number two, he told his followers that we have to wait for that gift in Jerusalem. And that's because, I believe, ministry starts where God has planted us. May not always like where God has planted us. May wish God had planted us somewhere else. May move to a garden spot and yet wish that we were at a different spot for different reasons. God wants you to serve him and be filled with God's spirit and share the good news of Jesus in ways that the people around you can understand it wherever you are and wherever I am. Number three, we'll be filled with the Holy Spirit and with, and with power because to, to be his witnesses, to point people to Jesus, to talk about Jesus in a way that people understand, to, to live out the life of Jesus in ways that touch people deeply, we'll need his power. 
And then I said last week, well, we'll focus on this next final section, verses 4 through 12, because this gift isn't just for us. It's for everybody. We saw that starting back in Luke. Repentance, Jesus said. Repentance for the forgiveness of sins will be preached in his name to all nations. In Acts chapter 1, verse 6, the follower Jesus heard him talking about the kingdom and said, well, so is now, are you going to kind of put Israel up on top of everything? Are you going to make Israel the dominant culture, not Rome? Are you going to kind of give us back the glory and the power and prestige that we had when David was king and then when, when Solomon was king? And it's kind of all about us and our team. And he said, no, that's not what this is about. This is about you being my witnesses, you sharing about what uh, I have done and what you have seen and heard and touched in Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, to the ends of the earth. Again, it goes out from here. We're not the center of things. We're to go out like the 99, right? The 99 sheep that were found and the shepherd goes out to find the one. The people of God are to be people who are outwardly focused, not inwardly focused. And that's why Acts 2, verse 4, they began to speak in other languages. And then this little section of, four, of uh, chapter 5 through 12. Why do we have to wait in Jerusalem? Why did they have to wait in Jerusalem? I believe it's because of verse 5 and following they had to wait for that gift that the Father promised. They had to wait in Jerusalem because, verse 5, that now there were staying in Jerusalem these God-fearing Jews from every nation under heaven. Every nation under heaven, and it lists them all. In fact, it was interesting, you can look on the internet and look up the nations that are listed on the day of Pentecost, the nations listed uh, in uh, Acts chapter 2, and you'll see that, uh, that little map, I don't know if we can find that map, you guys, and put that up, uh, that map that shows kind of the center right there of Jerusalem. You can barely see Jerusalem, and you can barely see uh, the area of the people of God of Israel there, but all the other nations, the, the good news went to the north, it went to the, went to the east, it, it went down to the south, it went to the Arabian area, it went to the north of Africa and Egypt and Cyrene and, uh, Cyrene and uh, Libya. It went to Europe. It went all the way to Rome. It went up to, to the continent of Asia where Israel actually is, but went north of them and then uh, north and uh, west of them into the area of, of Turkey and of uh, other areas up, up north. It spread widely, and that was God's intention. It was God's intention because the blessing that you and I have been given by God and the blessing of the coming of Jesus to, to be incarnate in our world and to show us what life, how life is meant to be lived and the gift of the love of the Father and the gift of the companionship of the Holy Spirit are not gifts that we're given just to pat ourselves on the back and just lean back and enjoy it for the rest of our days. In fact, we can write down that kind of final bullet on the page that we are blessed. We are blessed to be a blessing. We are blessed to be a blessing. And so I want to kind of, there's a little blank spot at the, at the bottom. 
because I don't have uh, the formal outline that we would normally have, but I have some thoughts that I want to share. And so appropriately, uh, Kelsey, you had chosen uh, the Hosanna song that's so beautiful. And that phrase, break my heart with what breaks yours. Break my heart with what breaks yours, Father. And so I want to talk about repentance. I want to talk about repentance. This is not an exciting thing to talk about. Repentance is where we've done something that's going in the wrong direction and we have to kind of correct our course. We're heading in a direction that's not going to be life-giving. God calls us to come back to him. It's, a, it's not a word of, of, uh, of cruelty or of a judgmentalism from God. It's a word of, that's life-giving to us. He's saying, come home. It's a word that could be used of that prodigal son in Luke 15, right? When he came to his senses, he came running home to his father. So I want to say two or three things here today, and then we're going to share together in the Lord's table. The first thing I want to say is this. I want to say, I'm sorry. I want to say, I'm sorry. Go ahead and write that down. I want to talk about personal repentance, Because Jesus told us, Luke 24, that repentance for the forgiveness of sins will be preached in the name of Jesus to all nations, to all nations. And I want to say some things about something that I am sorry for. Uh, The Bible tells us in Proverbs 10, 19, that when there are many words, sin is unavoidable. Where there are many words, sin is unavoidable. And uh, this week... uh, in reflecting on this verse, I thought, I should make this one of my life verses, because <laughs> I sort of speak professionally. <laughs> I'm a person of a lot of words. Some of you know this. And James 3 says something similar. It says, not many of you, James 3, 1 and 2, not many of you should become teachers. It's a warning. Not many of you should become teachers, my fellow believers, because you know that we who teach will be judged more strictly. And we all stumble in many ways. It's a dangerous thing to risk to be a teacher. But, of course, I'm aware of this. I've told you many times that I've got good news and bad news about my teaching. The good news is I am, I believe, theologically and biblically accurate. I'm going to say 95 to 97, I don't know, percent of the time. And maybe, I may be optimistic, I may be pessimistic, but I'm human, I'm not infallible. Uh, the problem is I don't know which two to three to four to five percent I'm off on. So you've got to kind of be tracking with me, listening to the spirit of the living God and tracking in scripture and walking alongside me. So this past week as Pastor Brandon and I were talking, uh, I am blessed to have a friend who loves me. The Bible says that faithful are the wounds of a friend and he said something that wounded me but it was about something I had said that wounded him. And uh, it was hard to listen to, it was hard to process. But what he said, I said, I thought, I wouldn't say that because I don't think that, you know. But then as I was thinking about it, I thought, now, I am the same person who many, many years ago, and there somewhere is even videotaped to prove this, 
uh, in the days before I got treatment for sleep apnea, and I was really struggling, uh, one day I was talking about the fact that God hates human life and God hates all life. And so God hates, you know, little children. And, and, and well, I did it again. I did it again. I'm trying to illustrate what I was saying, and I did the same thing. I can't believe it. It, it, hasn't, it won't go away. And I meant to say Satan... <laughs> I actually was saying that, and not conscious, I was saying it backwards. I was trying to say, so anyway, here I'm illustrating it again, right? So Pastor Brandon said, you said, talking about what is going on in our nation and asking for God to fill us with his spirit and asking God to give us uh, in our nation justice and peace. And I said, and police officers, and I was thinking of the images I had seen of Officer Derek Chauvin and the three officers who did nothing to stop him, and in fact aided and abetted what he was doing to George Floyd, which I find incomprehensible. And I find myself, as often happens, as you're trying to kind of say a lot at once, and there's so many different issues that are going on, <clears throat> hear the words. And I listened to this this week, and I was a little horrified that this is what I said, just like when I watched this video, I hope I don't have to, but if I watch this video, I'll be horrified that trying to illustrate it, I said, God hates children. Oh, my goodness. That's not true. Satan hates babies. Okay. Here's what I said. I wrote it down. That's what Pastor Brandon told me I had said. I said, uh, all of them are, are not perfect, which is sort of a double negative anyway. It's confusing. All of them are not perfect. Speaking of police officers who are called to be peacemakers, peacekeepers. I said, all of them are not perfect, but so many of them are. You told me what I said, and I thought, I, I can't believe I said that, because I don't think that. That's just kind of a weird statement anyway. And I went back and listened, and I said, all of them are not perfect, but so many of them are. So can I unpack that for you as part of my repentance? I want to be repentance for the forgiveness of my sins. Because I don't think you can go forward in life, and you and I can go forward unless we repent when we're wrong, when we sin, even as believers, even as pastors. Unless we repent of our sins, how else do we grow? I, I said all of them are not perfect. And what I was trying to say, but didn't communicate with clarity or accuracy, was that none of them are perfect. Referring to police. None of them are perfect. Now, we have a number of, of law enforcement personnel who are a part of our church family. We have many uh, in the extended church family. We have many people in the military as well. And I meant to say all of them are not perfect, which isn't any more than saying none of us are perfect, right? None of them are perfect because none of us are perfect. It's not possible. But then I wanted to qualify that and not make it a global statement that as if they're all bad eggs, I said, but so many of them are. And I didn't add the next phrase. And I don't know why, I can't tell you why. But the next phrase was, but so many of them are good and decent people, because we know them. We know Gary and Carmelo and Dean. We, 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 we know so many who are good and decent people. So I said, all of them are not perfect, but so many of them are, which implies that so many of them are perfect. And I thought, 
that's not what I said, that's not what I meant. And unfortunately, it is what I said. So let me try to say the sentence the way I was trying to say it, the way I meant to say it, but I didn't, I failed to say it accurately. Because I want to be clear, and this is something that really matters, and it matters today, in our time, in our area, our nation, and our world. What I was trying to say is, in reference to police officers, in the context of what has taken place in Minnesota, is that none of them are perfect, because no people are perfect, but none, no police officer, not, none of them are perfect, but so many of them are good and decent people, and they want to do what's right. As I continued to talk, I said, they want to do what's right. Many of them are offended, ashamed, and angry about those who do what is wrong. And the spirit of justice needs to fall in our land. So what I said was wrong, and I'm sorry for that. It's not what I meant to say, but it's what I said. And because I'm a teacher, I incur a stricter judgment, the Bible tells in James 3, 1 and 2. Because I have influence over people. And people look to me and say, he's, he's studied God's word carefully, and he's trying to teach it to the best of his ability. But what I said didn't reflect the heart of God or the word of God. And uh, what I said uh, is uh, kind of verified that none of them are perfect, but so many of them are good and decent people and want to do what is right. So many of them are offended and ashamed and angry about those who do what is wrong. And I was impressed this season of time with the words of the chief of police of the St. Paul Police Department. And I'm not sure if we were able to play this. Do we have that video? Did that, did that get to... That's, that don't, uh, I can, I'll, I'll, I'll let you know what he said. St. Paul, Minnesota is the sister city to Minneapolis. They're called the Twin Cities, right? Minnesota Twins. Minneapolis and St. Paul. My, my mom and dad met uh, in uh, Bible College in Minneapolis, St. Paul. The police chief in St. Paul said that I am so shocked and horrified and angry about what I watched take place across the river in Minneapolis that I got together every one of my police officers and I made them watch the video of what took place. And then I asked them and I challenged them to put themselves in the shoes of George Floyd. And imagine that you're a citizen and there's a police officer that we're trained to kind of look at as being someone who can be help, help us in time of need. But instead, a knee is on his neck and his breathing is slowing and becoming more labored and he's asking for help and the police officer doesn't help. He said, I was so angry at what I watched, I asked my officers to watch it. And I told them that if any of you think that the actions of that police officer and those who stood there and did nothing to stop it, as he put his knee on the neck of a man who, had already, who was already detained for eight minutes and 46 seconds. And he said, if any of my police officers believe that, that those actions were justified, he said, you can turn in your badge to me now. As I look this up, there's a video online. You can look, look up Todd Axel or the chief of police of St. Paul Police Department. It's very powerful what he says. I've got an extensive statement, but I won't take that time to read it. And I looked that up. I saw that 
There were police chiefs all around the country who condemned the George Floyd killing. New York City Police Commissioner said the act, officer's actions were deeply disturbing. Our own Los Angeles Police Chief Michelle Moore, Michael Moore, said the footage tarnished others who wear a badge and tore at the very fabric of race relations in this country. L.A. County Sheriff Alex Villanueva, Houston Police Chief Art Acevedo, and the heads of police agencies in a half a dozen other cities across the U.S. have bluntly criticized the actions of that single police officer, Derek Chauvin. Police Chief in Chattanooga, Tennessee, said there's no need to see more video. There's no way to see how it plays out. There's no need to put a knee on someone's neck for nine minutes but there is a need to do something. And if you wear a badge and you don't have an issue with it, turn it in. Police Chief Moore from LA says, this technique, we see this man, he can't breathe, he's in despair, he's in duress, and what I speak from 38, going on 39 years of law enforcement experience is I believe I can see and recognize to me what appears to be a lack of humanity, a lack of compassion. Miami chief of, uh, a chief of police said, do not defend the undefendable, attempt to justify the unjustifiable or excuse the inexcusable, as George Floyd should be alive today. I'm horrified at what I saw. What I saw, I believe, was evil. Today in the sports section, we look to sports and don't have much sports to look to right now, but we look to sports to relieve us from the, the drudgery and also the pains of everyday life. And the San Antonio Spurs coach, Greg Popovich, said, I don't know, I, I think I'm just embarrassed as a white person to know that that can happen. The look on that officer's face for us as white people to see how nonchalant, how casual, just how everyday going about his job, so much so that he could just put his left hand in his pocket, wriggle his knee around a little bit to teach this person some kind of lesson, and that was, it was his right and his duty to do so in his mind. I'm embarrassed. This is his language. To actually watch a lynching. And the same thing could be said, I believe, of uh, a previous incident in Georgia, Ahmad Arbery, hunted down by a former police officer and his son and another friend for jogging. Unheard of, unspeakable, except it isn't unheard of. Greg Popovich again. I can't believe that we're seeing this again with my own eyes, he said, in real time. Our country's in trouble because of race. What's the church going to do? And so I believe I was trying to say something of value and that was accurate, except that I used the wrong words. I shouldn't have said all of them are not perfect. I should have said none of them are perfect. And this one, I don't know about his heart, but his actions were evil, were sinful, were wrong. So many of them are. 
good and decent people. So many of them want to do what is right. And they are, as we've heard, offended, ashamed, and angry about those who do what is wrong. The spirit of justice needs to fall on our land. So Lord Jesus, have mercy on me, a sinner. I believe I need to say, number one, that's my first point, and we're gonna have to go quickly. The second point you may not like necessarily either, and that's a plural. We're sorry. That's corporate repentance. Now, some of you may say, hold on a minute. I was nowhere near Minneapolis. And beyond that, I'm not racist. When Jesus came and began to preach, you remember what he preached as we studied the Sermon on the Mount? He said, repent of your sins and turn to God because the kingdom of God is near. Dallas Willard rendered that rethink your life in the light of the fact that the kingdom of the heavens is now open to all. George Floyd, Ahmaud Arbery, how can that happen in our nation? How can that keep happening in our nation? And the words of the prophet Isaiah came to my mind. Woe to me, I am ruined, for I am a man of unclean lips, I'm a sinful man. You are too, sinful man, sinful woman. Because all have sinned and fall short of the glorious ideal that God destined us to live out. I am a sinful man, a man of unclean lips, and I live among a people of unclean lips. What's happened in our country is wrong and needs to change. I believe I've heard this week that Minneapolis police have changed their regulations so that chokehold is no longer legal. I thank God for that. It needs to change everywhere else in the United States that that continues to be the case. And you say, well, Pastor Doug, how are you apologizing for something where you're not even there? There's biblical precedent for that. In the book of Nehemiah, chapter one, chapter nine, you can see Nehemiah come and fall on his face before God in tears tearing his clothing, weeping in, in ashes and saying, we have sinned. And he goes back and talks about the sins of the past and how they continue to infect the present. Daniel, I believe it's chapter 9. Yes, Daniel 9, uh, verses 1 through 19. Daniel does what some people call identificational repentance, saying, it may not have been me, but this is my country. Now, I'm not American before I'm a follower of Jesus. I'm a follower of Jesus before anything. Follower of Jesus is more important than any other status, any other position, any other condition in my life. But in America, racism is what some, one theologian has called, one writer has called America's greatest sin and greatest and oldest sin. And so I want to say four things about this and then we'll move to the Lord's table because we need it. We need it. Four simple statements, I think, A through E. Letter A, injustice is wrong. This is profound. Some of you are thinking, boy, and he gets paid to do this, right? Injustice is wrong. And we could also add variable justice is wrong where it's different for different people. The Old Testament talked about uneven scales. 
an abomination to God. Look up Micah 6, 8, where God tells us what is good and what he requires. Would that be good to know what God says, this is what's good and this is what I require? Three things. Pastor Brandon had this on his t-shirt yesterday. Number one, to act justly, to pursue justice. Number two, to love mercy. Actions of that police officer in Minneapolis, the actions of the retired police officer in Georgia, they were not justice, and they certainly were not loving mercy. God help us as a nation. And the third, to walk humbly with your God. John Perkins, in Bethany's history, came to know Jesus through the ministry of Jesse Culp, June Stifey's mom, through a a childhood uh, Bible school and home for his children. They came home and told told them about it, and John came to know Christ. John is 90 now, a veteran of the civil rights movement and a veteran of standing for justice and for reconciliation. And he talks about what Christ has done in his heart. Injustice is wrong, letter A. Letter B, racism is wrong. And some of us might say, well, I'm not racist. I don't think I'm racist. I've been encouraged recently to say, instead of just saying I'm not racist, why don't we say let's become anti-racist? I don't want anything to do with what the police officers in Minneapolis and Georgia, those individuals, I'm not going to paint everybody with the same brush. I don't want anything to do with that. I want to be an anti-racist. We have to take a stand. We have to do something about racism, former President Obama said, in our institutions, and he said in our hearts. Beautifully put. Isaiah 1.17, the Lord says, stop doing wrong, learn to do good, seek justice, very clear, seek justice. Listen to the next phrase, correct, correct oppression. TNIV says, rebuke the oppressor. That's active. Defend the cause of the fatherless. Plead the case of the widow. Number three, racism is foolish. Racism is foolish. Why do I say that? I started with a a stronger word, then I pulled it because I thought that sounded disrespectful to people who are racists. Then I thought of what Jesus called the Pharisees, and I thought, I'm wimping out. So, hold on. Racism is stupid, all right? But I'll use foolish, because it's a good Old Testament word, and we know what that means. Think of how God started things. In Acts 17, we read that God has made from one blood all the nations. For me to say I hate Asians or I hate African Americans or I hate Hispanic Americans is like saying I hate myself because God has made of one blood all the nations. Every man and woman and every race of humanity in all our glorious diversity. And he spread us all over the earth and he marked out the appointed times in history and the boundaries of our lands and God did this so that we would seek him and perhaps reach out for him and maybe even find him because he is not far from 
any of us because it is in him that we live and we move and we enjoy our existence, Acts 17. Racism is foolish. Think of how God started things. Letter D, racism is pointless. Where is the history of the people of God going? Where is God taking us? Where is God drawing things together? Where is God heading things? Look at Revelation 4 and 5. We can't turn there now. We don't have time. Look at the crowd they're gathered from every nationality, every ethnic group, right? Four words that are used there to unpack the extraordinary panoply of races and ethnic groups and cultural backgrounds that will be gathered together, not around the cross then, but around the lamb that was slain on the throne of the living God. Don't you think we might as well get ready for it now? Some of us, Dallas Willard used to say this, some of us are a little ambivalent about going to heaven because we're not sure we're going to like it when we get there. Maybe we should start getting ready for heaven now and trying to bring about something of heaven for the people who live around us. Racism is pointless because our future is living in relationship to one another. And finally, letter E, Racism is disrespectful to Jesus. Racism is disrespectful to Jesus. Why? Because in Christ, you and I, through the blood of Christ, through the cross of Jesus Christ, he has made those of us who are different from each other, who's, who is that who I'm referring to? All of us. <laughs> we came from one blood, and yet we can't get along as family. And so we erect dividing walls of hostility. And God sent his son Jesus and he demolished that wall that keeps us apart. And what's most important about me is not that I am white and I had ancestors who came from Denmark and Norway and England and the country of Missouri and Minnesota but that I'm a beloved son of the Most High God, created by the love of the Father, redeemed by the sacrifice of the Savior, and I pray filled with the Spirit of the living God. I don't have time to even read you Ephesians 2, 11 through 22. Come back next week, I'll try to get to it. I think these words are true, and I think you and I, I know I need to repent. I needed to, I, what I said was wrong the impact of what I was teaching was skewed and I needed to forcefully come and say, no, what I saw is wrong. I'm, I was so jarred, I was trying to eat breakfast and I'm reading Coach Popovich's words. It's like I was seeing a lynching with my own eyes in real time. Brothers and sisters, these things ought not to be. This is not the way that life is meant to be lived. You and I are called to be a blessing to all nations. And following the confusion of languages at the Tower of Babel, where people just wanted to hang out with everybody else who was just like them, God said no, because the variety of food we're gonna get if you're all together in the same place is gonna be very boring. God have mercy on us because we're sinners. Will we lead?
by forging relationship across cultural boundaries and barriers. The Bible calls them dividing walls and says that Jesus died in the cross of Jesus. The blood of Jesus and the body of Jesus destroyed those walls. Are, are you and I going to go pick up some bricks and start building those walls back up? Yeah, but they did that, and he did this, and they did that, because we're always justified, and the Reverend Dr. Martin Luther King Jr., a hero to me of a Baptist minister who started a, about the same age that I did, actually passed away about the same age that I started, so that cycle of violence only begets more violence. That's not the way of Jesus, the master who said, love your enemies. Do good to those who curse you. I want us to go to the table of the living God because there we celebrate the bread and the cup that Jesus shared with his friends and followers that last night before he went to the cross to destroy that wall and to make a path so that we can come back and be brothers and sisters again. So if our worship team could come up. And you at home are prepared. I think Pastor Brandon encouraged you already to get your liquid ready and your bread ready. And you remember what Jesus said that night? He took the bread and he gave thanks. The bread he's about to tell us is his body. As you hold this bread, sounds weird maybe, but you thank God that he gave you a body. We'd be in bad shape without him. Thank you, God, for my body. My body is the, the, the means I have of living and loving in this world. And yet, God, I'm a broken man. And I'm not called to live for myself, I'm called to live for others. He took bread, he blessed it, he broke it, and he gave it to his friends and said, this is my body, it's broken for you. Take and eat this in remembrance of me. Thank you, Jesus, for what you did. Help us to learn from your example. In the same way he took the cup. He took it. He blessed it. Thank you, Father, for the gift of blood without which I do not have life. But with all that is in me, I want to live for you. And I am alive. I am spiritually alive in every other way because of the blood of Jesus Christ who cleanses us from all unrighteousness. Forgive me, for I am a man of unclean lips and I live among a people of unclean lips, but my eyes have seen the King and our King who created us came down and we crucified him. God's means of dealing with violence and hatred in our world was to come and to absorb that violence and hatred into his own person. 
and our world begin to change. Come, Lord Jesus. This is the blood of the new covenant. The Holy Spirit is available and accessible to you and to me because of the blood of Jesus Christ. Thank you for this precious gift. Thank you. Fill me with your Holy Spirit. Fill us with your Holy Spirit. Cleanse us from sin. Cleanse us from personal sin, but also from systemic sins. Cleanse us from national sins. Cleanse us from ethnic group sins. Skin color sins. Denominational sins. Human being sins. And send your Holy Spirit to fill your people, to change us, to teach us how to live and to love one another. Well, you know that uh, when we share together the Lord's table, we also share together uh, in the fellowship fund. So if you're able to go online and give online a gift toward fellowship fund, we have need to reach out to people. There are people who are struggling. Some have lost jobs. Some have been reduced hours, some have been laid off, some have been furloughed, some aren't sure exactly where things are. Some are really struggling financially. We want to walk beside them as our brothers and sisters in Christ. So if God has blessed you, we need your help. If you could be generous, so we can be generous to those in our community, in our church family. That's what we want to be. We're going to sing a closing song. Pastor Brandon's going to come and close us with a benediction. Let me pray for us. Living God, we want to grow. We want to change. We aren't the people that we want to be. We aren't the nation that we want to be. We aren't the church that we want to be. We want to be a light in a dark and a violent world. We want to live for justice and truth, goodness, kindness, gentleness, all the fruit of the Spirit. And we can't do it without the spirit of the living God. So fill us.